0: Hey this is Pete Bauer and welcome to my podcast. Today I have the author Carrie Burke who has written the book The Life I Dreamed and she's here. We're going to talk about writing and faith and family. So welcome Carrie. Thank you. How long have you been writing?
1: I've been writing most of my life. I look back even into my childhood and I loved writing. I used to write stories all the time as a kid I've been blogging for about five years now, so that you know, that's my most professional work up until the novel. So lots of little short stories and stuff. In high school, I, half my classes were writing classes. I was on the newspaper. I was on the yearbook. I took creative writing. So I feel like writing has been a part of my life pretty much all of my life.
0: How long did it take you to write this book?
1: The first draft took about a month that's all the whole thing you know the story had been in my head for months and months and months and i swear the entire thing was there from beginning to end and the hard part was just trying to get it out of my head and onto the paper but yeah the first draft took about a month and then you know the revising and the editing that that obviously was a longer process but wow
0: now what is the book about
1: the book is about a young catholic family who have very strong convictions, and, and their faith is, is very important to them, but they are called on suddenly and unexpectedly to actually live out those values in a way that's very inconvenient and very unexpected. And so it's just that that journey and that process of making their faith not just something they believe, but something that they are truly living out.
0: And you have a big family, right? You're the mother of?
1: I have five children. Five,
0: five children. And what are their age ranges?
1: my oldest is almost 15 and my youngest is almost four
0: I have two kids and I know what how much time it takes just to be a parent right so having five would obviously add that exponentially so when did you find time to actually write
1: that is a really good question (laughs) and honestly it's very hard to answer I wrote every free minute that I had and and I kinda said this is my month I'm gonna devote this to the writing and so literally every Minute I had, I would sit down at that computer and I would work. And the kids were, the kids were awesome because they were so excited for me, and they, they were like my greatest cheerleaders. And so they were willing to kind of just understand that mommy was busy, and you know I'd have to get up in the middle of sentences every ten minutes or so. But they understood that this was something that I was going to do and that was important, and they were supportive of it. So I wrote when I could, and and my family just kind of helped me out.
0: It's nice that you were able to find a balance creatively and not taken away from your primary responsibilities as a, as a mother or a wife. So, And your husband, I'm assuming, was also supportive <laughs> during this process. Yeah, he was
1: very supportive. I don't know that he was as excited as the kids were because they wanted to know every step of the way what's going on and can you read it to us. But yes, my husband was very supportive. That's awesome. And continues to be very supportive of my writing.
0: <laughs> what actually inspired you to write the book?
1: A lot of different things, um, mostly my own life. I mean, it, it was written in many ways from my own experience as a young mother. The main character's name is Emmy, and she struggles a lot with just being pulled in 10 different directions, trying to be all things to all people, and just feeling overwhelmed. I've been there. She has four young children, I, I have five, so I have felt that and understood that. So a lot of it came from that, but the actual storyline, her husband is a youth minister, and it is one of his youth group kids who comes to them and needs help, And my husband was a youth minister. So really, a lot of it was my own experience. But what really kind of was my inspiration behind all of it is just my pro-life views and the fact that I've just always really had a heart for the pro-life movement. It's always just been so important to me to do everything that I can to advocate for the unborn and, and to create a culture of life. So that was really my greatest inspiration. And then the point of view kind of came just through my own life experiences.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a a woman we know who is raising two of her grandchildren, and I was speaking to her the other day, and I was like, you know, I'm really impressed that you're doing this, because, you know, she's retired and everything, and she's like, well, you know, if you say you're pro-life, then you better live it. I've read your book, and it's exactly the same sort of situation. A lot of times in life, we say we're one thing, or we're really big advocates or something, as long as it doesn't get too inconvenient, perhaps but that to me is when your faith is really expressed is through the struggle right it's, it's easy to be faithful when it's like jesus says you know it's easy to love those people that love you back kind of thing but when life gets hard then how much are you going to love you know show express your love and your faith so one of the things that often does happen to me is and uh, and i think happens to most writers is that when you're writing the characters start off where you've created them and then at some point during the process they become their own person and and have their own opinions and and it's kind of an odd thing to explain to people who don't write that the characters kind of suddenly are real in a way and they're kind of like they'll put you in situations that you didn't anticipate or take you down story paths you really didn't think was planned but is right for that character that suddenly has come to life. Um, Did you have any experiences of that in, in writing the book?
1: I did. You know, it wasn't it wasn't my main characters because I felt like I really going into it, I knew my main characters and I knew what their motivations were and I knew what their struggles were and I understood where they were. So they were, for the most part, predictable and and kind of went along the way I thought that they would. But at one point in the writing process, um, I said, my kids are my really my greatest cheerleaders. My son in all of his excitement about mommy's writing a book, wanted to know who my bad guy was, <laughs> and I actually at the time did not have a bad guy in my book. It's not really that kind of book, but he got me thinking, and and every great protagonist does have an antagonist, as somebody who's kind of challenging them, and so as my thought process was going, I I did. I created a bad guy. And her name is Alan. And she was really just supposed to be the bad guy in the story, just to, you know, kind of add a little more tension in there and a little more struggle. But she kind of took on a life of her own because the intention was she would be the bad guy. But as it turns out, really, at heart, she's got great intentions. She has no faith. And she has nothing to ground her. So her intentions are all coming through this very secular, very selfish worldview. And so she's hurtful and at times mean and very insensitive, but really at heart, she's not a bad person. And so she, to me, was one of my most interesting characters because she really did turn out to be, even though she's the bad guy, a very complex, very complicated, but very real, I think.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the character is very necessary, too, because that worldview is the battle Right, that, that the pro-life movement really has. Let me ask you this, I think most writers kind of fall into two categories. Uh, one are intuitive writers and others are structured writers. So what, where would you think you'd fall into?
1: I think pretty much structured. When I've tried to write intuitively, it's not working for me. But you know, I have stories in my head all the time. Even when there were years, when my kids were younger, that I could not write, but the stories were there. And usually from beginning to end, with every detail in between, all filled out in my mind so it very structured really if you look at it from that perspective
0: but you recently have tried an, an intuitive approach and I have, have tried that and a little, and it little was, bit of a struggle
1: yes a lot less successful
0: <laughs> I've tried that too before actually in the past and and because it is so opposite of of my inclination you know and I've just found that to me if I don't know where I'm going then I, I can't make a logical reason to either go there or not go there you know what i mean it just seems to be meandering for me yes. now there's some writers that are really good about just going with their gut instinct or piecing it together later or something like that but for, i i can't i can't work that way either personally How was writing this book how did it affect your faith journey how did it affect your whatever challenges that you had or, or illumination that you had from your faith
1: it, it was actually an incredible spiritual journey for me because I've been a mom, you know, most of my life, 15 years almost. I've been a mom, and that's been my focus. And I've always had the stories, and I've always had the desire to be a writer, but the opportunity wasn't there. I never I never really even attempted to try and do it, and then it just – the opportunity came up finally, you know, the kids were getting a little bit older. And it was like, okay, now I can do this. And I've got this story. So I got to try and get it out. So really, for me, it wasn't the story itself, that was a spiritual journey. It was just this trying to fulfill this life goal. And just really feeling like God was kind of calling me to it. I I really feel like this story was sort of inspired in me by the Holy Spirit, because it was just this idea of what if and I'm not sure where that idea came from. But once it was there, it just, you know, kind of sat in my mind, and and I just really feel like the Holy Spirit gave me the story idea. So every day, as I was working on this, I would wake up and I would say, you know what, God, I don't think I can do this. So you send your Holy Spirit down upon me, and you give me the words to write the story you want me to write. And every day, I saw the Holy Spirit working through me to do it. And it was just incredible. And then even beyond the writing process, the publishing, everything just fell into place in ways that I never could have planned. And then the marketing, there's just, there have been all these gifts that have just come along the way. And it's really been God's project. And it's really been the Holy Spirit working through me to get this out. And so hopefully the story will touch people and mean something to them.
0: I have found in my own experience, similar to yours, that you feel like you're called to do something. And then you feel like it's an impossible request really in your life as you see it at the time, right? But you just kind of go, all right. And what I've learned through my experience too is what I first thought of were obstacles or impossibilities. And then I'd say, well, Lord, I don't know if you really want this to happen, you're gonna trigger this out, right? I mean, you already know the answers. <laughs> so I just I just have to ask you and let you take care of it. And, and getting to that point first was, all right, I don't think God's gonna be able to pull this off because I'm not really sure the Lord wants me to do this, right? And then when you finally feel like you're really on the right path, then I got excited about going, Lord, I have no idea how this is going to work. I can't wait to see how you're going to pull this off. You know, it became like an anticipation of this is going to be so cool because there's no way this works in my brain. And suddenly the next day it works and you're like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing that this person came into my life or this person called or this person. I haven't seen him forever. I ran into the mall or something. It just it's amazing how all that kind of comes together.
1: Yeah, it's awesome just to see God working through you. You know he can, you know, you have your faith and you know that he can, but just to see it every day and to know this is not me, this is God. And he's just using the gifts that he's given me to glorify him. It's just amazing.
0: You know, one thing I, my daughter and I were talking about a a story she mentioned uh, that was on a local radio about an ice cream maker locally who really felt that the Lord was calling him to create an ice cream shop and with really unique flavors. And it seems like an odd request. God doesn't need an ice cream shop. And uh, but he did it. And then he woke up the first day of business. You know, think of all the money and time you put into this. And he felt the Lord said, well, give it away. And he's like, uh, huh? You know, and he said every day he woke up and he said, "You, am I giving it away today? And I was like, yes, yes. First four days of business, he gave his ice cream away. And that's just an insane leap of faith. You know what I mean? And now that it's a very successful place because who's going to try some odd ice cream flavor that people aren't used to. It's not mint chip or whatever. But because he gave it away, now they have these, these people who always come back. And as my daughter and I talked about that, it made me realize, I thought about, well, why does God want me to write novels or, or screenplays? And why does God want you, Carrie, to write novels? You know, God doesn't need our novels. He doesn't need us really to do anything to save anybody, really. I mean, he's more powerful than that. Nature around is more beautiful than anything we can do. And it occurred to me that That what God's asking us to do is to be obedient, not because he needs us to do something, but because we need to do it. You know what I mean? Like his request for our obedience is actually a, because he doesn't need anything. So if he's asking something of us, it's selfless of him to do it, right? So he's like, Carrie, I want you to write a book because you need to write a book for your faith journey to come to me. Not because I need you to write a book. And I'll make all the stuff happen, but I just realized that I always thought of being obedient to God was... Well, in the human form of obedience, you know what I mean? So, so like subservience of, of a certain respect. But as I listened to that ice cream shop story, I'm like, well, God doesn't need ice cream. So he must be doing it for that guy. And so it gave me a whole different perspective of why God asked me to do anything. And, and I, I was already pretty good about going, all right, this makes no sense, but I'll go ahead and do it. <laughs> to now really going, oh, okay, I guess I need this. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I'll really go do it if that's the case. And I wanted to ask you, how does, and this is a very personal thing, I've talked to quite a few people about this, but how do you feel God talks to you? Like, how do you think that information is relayed?
1: It's actually very ironic that you ask this question, because part of the answer comes inspired by your wife, because I knew her, obviously, before I knew you, and she and I were taking a, a class together. It was a a faith class. We were learning um, about different papal documents and studying, like, papal documents on the family together and I remember in that class she said my family believes that whenever you hear something like three times or more that God is speaking to you and I think she was speaking to me God was speaking to me through her at that time because honestly that's where I can see it I think back to that comment that she made all those years ago so many times because that's exactly how God speaks to me he will send me the same message two three four sometimes sometimes they'll hit me over the head with it and it's through Different people, different things I read, different things I see, you know, the most amazing sources, but it'll just be that same message over and over and over until I get it and he's patient and he's persistent, but that's where I see God speaking and it and it's amazing. He, he'll get me every time.
0: I do find it funny. I, I always say that God's not really subtle. When you finally get the message, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh you've been telling me that every day for a week now. I'm just kind of dense. Yeah, no, I found the exact same experience too, and, I, and I've also found... And I, the best way I can explain it is because, you know, when you try to say God, I feel like God's telling me to do something. People are always like, all right, was that like an alien communication? You know what I mean? Like, a do antenna come out of your head? And the best way I've been able to explain it is like, like if I'm having a dream and Elvis is in the dream and we're at a burger joint, if that's where the dream starts, my brain knows why Elvis is there. And I know why I'm in the burger joint. It doesn't need to be explained to me. I just understand it. It all somehow makes sense. Because sometimes to me, I'll get a sense of what God is explaining to me. And it's not like limited in words. It's just I understand what he wants. Right. I may only like glimpse at one word, but I get the whole scope of what that means, you know, because it's like. To me, God doesn't infuse us with communication. He infuses us with understanding. I That's think been my he, I think experience. he
1: finds us where we are, and he knows how we'll hear his voice best if we're willing to listen. And so he'll speak to us so huh. that we'll listen. <laughs>
0: I think he actually speaks to all of us all the time. I just think very few of us actually listen.
1: But I think as soon as you're open to listening, that you do, you find that he is talking to you everywhere, and that the message is there if you're just willing to hear it.
0: Yeah. So what has been the most surprising response you've had from writing the book?
1: I think the most surprising thing is I wrote the book because I wanted to promote pro-life values, because I wanted to get people thinking about why it's so important to have a pro-life view. But what really has touched people has been more the story of the family. And I really just, I wrote it from the perspective of the young mother because that was the perspective that I knew would be easy for me to write and that I would be able to relate to. So I did it you know, kind of out of just my own convenience, but that's really the storyline that seems to touch people the most is they understand that young mother trying to serve God, trying to be all things to all people, which is what her struggle is. And I think a lot of, most of my readers have been Catholic And a lot of them can just relate to that. And so much of women's fiction that's out there right now is very negative, very secular, very inappropriate in many ways. And it's focusing on the negative. And it's being said out there as if this is the norm. But for a Catholic family whose faith is at the center of all they do, that is not normal. They don't want that to be normal. They don't want that to be their entertainment. So I think finding a book that sets up a normal Catholic family with a healthy Catholic marriage, it really just speaks to them. And and there's still struggle. I mean, it's not that everything's perfect in the main character's life or in the book. There's still struggle, and there's still a story there, and there's still an opportunity for growth there. But it's set within what is normal and what is pleasing to God. And I think that that's just been very good for women to read because they can relate to that because it's a story that they feel like this is almost in some ways my story this is my struggle
0: when i read your book the first thing i thought of was the people i know that have a lot of kids would appreciate the book it was the very first thing i thought of because there isn't a lot of entertainment at any level that really promotes motherhood in a positive light you know it's 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 usually the burden right the, The odd character who has all the kids and they have no life and there's no satisfaction ever seems to be shown in television or movies of a mother of a large family. And, you know, it's funny to me because if you look back to the 50s or 60s, all the sitcoms and movies or whatever were about families and somehow they're able to tell really good stories that were enriching. But, you know, I don't know, 70s, 80s and so on. Ever since then, it's all been about the pre-marriage relationship, the lustful attraction, you know, all the hot and heavy stuff. And then they move on to the next lustful attraction. And they never get to that point where, well, gosh, love is actually about sacrifice. And that's not so bad. You know what I mean? Sacrificing my time for my kids, that's not a bad idea, you know, because my kids are pretty cool. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that's a, a market that's not being reached at all. And I also don't think there's not a lot of good stories from a man's perspective of of showing men in a positive light. I mean, I joke with my family all the time that every commercial you see on television has the man looking like an idiot. But, you know, it's kind of like that's what we're getting inundated with is because men are the only politically correct uh, gender and uh, anything that can be attacked uh, as a joke and not be offended by people. So men are continually look as the idiots, the guys who can't cook, the guys who can't drive, the guys who can't fix a table, the guys who can't wipe a bottom, you know. And, uh, and so, you know, I don't think parenthood at all is is really promoted. So I think it's great. I think that's an awesome side effect that came from your book that you didn't expect. What do you want your readers to remember most about your book?
1: A lot of things. Um, definitely the pro-life message because we live in a culture that really does promote death and focuses on that and glorifies that. So definitely the pro-life message and Just that there truly is intrinsic value in life created by God. Even if it's life that is inconvenient, even if it's life that is unplanned, even if it's life that would be viewed as imperfect, there is value there. And so definitely that. But there's actually a line in my book, and it's very early, it's like in Chapter 2, and The main characters are kind of have a conversation and the line is, I know it's hard to believe that God could possibly be blessing you, but God can do amazing things even when we cannot, for the life of us, figure out how he'll do it. Just give him a chance and he won't let you down. And I think that's kind of my overarching message right there. I would love for people to just walk away with that. Just trust in God. His plans sometimes look a little crazy and oftentimes they're very different than our plans, but God knows what's best. And if, if like you were saying, if we can just be obedient to him it's going to be what's best for us, because he only wants what's best for us. He loves us,
0: even if it seems completely insane.
1: And oftentimes, it which does. it often does.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. For people who aren't Catholic, how does your faith inform how you write and how you approach your life? I mean, how does your faith intertwine with your life? There's, there's a lot of people, you know, especially in the public square, that say, well, you know, I believe this, but I'm not going to force this on someone else, or I'm not going to let it show up in my public office or my, my entertainment function or whatever, but how does your faith interact with your life?
1: Um, my faith is my life. I mean, it really is, and it's hard for me to to separate it out. I feel like growing up, I, I was a cradle Catholic. I was baptized a Catholic and, and went through CCD classes for years and years and years. But growing up, I didn't understand my faith. And it was really sort of compartmentalized. Catholic meant that was something you did for an hour on Sunday. It wasn't necessarily a part of every single thing we did. But as an adult, it just, I've fallen in love with my church and my faith. And it it's the lens through which I view everything in life. So I don't know how to answer that as as you ask it exactly because I don't feel like it informs my writing or my life. I feel like it is and I can't write from any other perspective. I actually had somebody who read my book and she's a good friend of mine and she's Catholic and she said, you know, if you wrote Christian books, not with all that Catholic stuff in it, you could sell a lot more books. And I was like, that just isn't who I am and if I don't sell any books you know if I have to give them away on the street to get people to read them that's okay because I can't write from a perspective that isn't where I am and my Catholic faith is I'm writing more to glorify God and to promote those Catholic values that just mean the world to me so I can't separate it out
0: I think for non-Catholics it's hard for them to understand like you I can't imagine not being Catholic it's not like a Catholicism is a denomination to me. It is simply a part of me. So I would get confused by people who would say, well, you know, when did you accept Christ or whatever? And I'm like, well, I, I don't remember time of not having done that. I don't, it was never a moment of, okay, I get it now. I got to do it. It's, it's been because I was raised a cradle Catholic as well, that I understand my belief. I understand it as I grow up. It, it grows with me. At Confirmation, I agreed that I wanted to believe this for the rest of my life, and then I've spent the rest of my life trying to understand it more because it's so massive and deep and exceptionally difficult. (laughs) I must say, being a Catholic is really, really hard because— it flies in the face of everything that the world seems to value, which I guess is the point, right? But right, right.
1: <laughs> And that's one of the things I love about it is that our church calls us to a very high standard and gives us the graces we need to reach that standard, at least to keep striving for that standard. But nothing's ever watered down. Nothing's ever made easier. We're always being called to that very high standard, and that's sainthood because that's what God created us for. Right. So
0: And so, like you, I, I get confused when because I've had similar discussions with people where they're like, well, are you a Christian writer or a Catholic writer? And I'm like, I, you know, Catholics, for, for non-Catholics, need to understand that Catholics don't separate the two.
1: Right, I, I would uh, say both. <laughs> right,
0: because obviously Catholics believe that Christ is Christ, and the Catholic Church was the only church for most of existence, and therefore all of Christian belief was founded on the tenets of a lot of Catholicism. Bible was created by Catholics, you know, at the time. So, you know, for, for Catholics, it's, it's difficult to go, well, I, I don't understand the difference. But I do know from, from non-Catholics' perspective, there is a big difference. And it's just, it's confusing to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. So I, I struggle answering that question really well, as you can tell. <laughs> so what's next on your agenda of things to do as far as a writer goes?
1: Right now, I am listening for God's voice and, and listening for his guidance. I am maintaining my blog. For the most part i've been working this summer on a lot of short stories just ideas have been coming to me just for short stories and it's a totally different approach and it's a totally different genre to write a short story but i've been having a lot of fun with that so that's kind of been my focus right now i would love to have another novel down the road at some point and there are a lot of different ideas but nothing has materialized yet so we'll wait and see what god reveals
0: one final question is so if there's someone out there that's listening, that feels like they're you prior to writing a novel, right? They have these stories in them. They either really busy with work or with family or whatever, whatever the responsibility seems to take all their time. But, but so they're going to look at you and go, oh, well, my gosh, if, if a mother of five can figure this out, then, then I can. So what would your advice be to someone who's kind of in that, I just I have this drive to tell a story, but I don't know what step to take. You know, what, what would you tell them?
1: Um, I would definitely say start with prayer. Because I think that you just really do need to know that it's what God wants of you. And if it's what God wants of you, he will give you what you need to accomplish it. But beyond that, if you've got the story, sit down and write. And if it's kind of sloppy and it's kind of messy and it needs a lot of work later, that's okay. Sit down and write and write it from beginning to end. Because I think the hardest thing isn't so much getting started it's finishing off it's very easy to write that first chapter or two but just sit down and do it and commit for me it helped to have this okay I'm going to commit a month to this and in a month I'm going to get this story out from beginning to end and I will make it good later so I think go ahead and give yourself a deadline and then just do it just write it down don't worry about whether it's any good just let God kind of lead you and guide you in the project and see where it goes and have fun with it
0: well, I think you're absolutely right because the hardest thing is the first draft. I tell people that all the time because you can always rewrite a first draft. You can't rewrite a blank page, you know, or you can't rewrite three quarters of the story. And the natural tendency is to, and I do this myself, is is you start writing and then you're like, all right, where was I? And so you read back a little bit and then you read back a little bit and you, and you go, oh, well, I'm reading back. I should really tweak that and fix that. So your first four or five chapters are really awesome. By the time you get to chapter six and seven, but you just got to allow yourself to have all of it. Just get it down. It doesn't matter whether it's complete or fulfills your thought or anything. It's just got to be it just has to be written down at the the end of the day.
1: And and I think at least for me, it was better to not even edit. I did not edit along the way. Wow. While I was working on the first draft, I wrote the first draft in its entirety. And then I went back and I edited the beginning and the middle and the end and re-edited the beginning and the middle and the end many times over. But I did not edit while I was writing. I just got that story out.
0: Wow. that's I can't, even, I can't do that. That's really impressive. Personally, for me, I need to go back to kind of get into a flow of what, where I was and where I'm going. So I always like peek back a little bit and peek back a little bit. I, I could never just write Uh, that way so that's impressive to me (laughs) anyway okay so that's all the time we have for today i'd like to thank harry for being with us her links to her blog and to where you can purchase the book on amazon is listed in the show notes and i'd like to thank you all for listening and come back and join us again next time